0: Welcome to Self Love Actually, a podcast that will provide guidance and support along your self love journey. I'm your host, Haley Curtis, a self love life coach who helps people better love themselves by creating a life they dream of living. My purpose in creating this podcast is that it allows you to love yourself a little more, each and every episode. Self-acceptance is a prerequisite for self-love. You have to accept who you are before you can truly love yourself. Today, I have a special guest, Farah Reyna, who is going to have a conversation with me around self-acceptance. Farah is a certified professional coach and communications expert with more than two decades of experience working and mentoring clients to improve their personal and professional lives through development coaching. Farah currently works with corporations to provide self-care workshops for their employees. Every corporation needs that. She also coaches her clients on the weekends. I'd like to include a trigger warning for discussions around suicide and depression. If those topics typically cause you distress, you may want to skip today's episode. Farah, welcome. Hey,
1: thank you so much for having me. By the way, I'm loving your podcast. It's fantastic.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to have you on for this eighth episode today.
1: Yeah. I'm so glad number eight is one of my lucky numbers too. So see, all was meant to be.
0: Yes. (laughs) This is perfect. Awesome. Well, Farah, why don't you start by telling us just a little bit about you and your background? I think probably
1: the best chapter of my life is the most recent one. I was, uh, I guess, probably 2015 in a personal growth spurt, if you will. And I was transitioning for different career types. And All of a sudden, I landed the dream job that I had wanted for 15 years, a news anchor gig in New Orleans. That's a big deal for anyone who works in the broadcasting industry, which is what I did for so long, and who doesn't want to live in New Orleans. And New Orleans was a top 50 market television station, which is also a huge accomplishment for any on-air talent. And so I would worked in the industry for so long and then took a break and did some marketing, went back to the industry and ended up with my dream job. Right. So in 2015, I'm thinking, yes, this is it. Life is finally starting for me. I did it. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of myself. And it was such a beautiful transition because I'm from Louisiana and then I get to live in the best city in the world, right? New Orleans. But three months I get there and it's like, all hell broke loose with my life. I ended up realizing that I was about to go through a divorce. The relationship wasn't going to work out. Three months after that, my dad passed away. Three months after that, there's new management with a new vision. And it was just, you know, one roadblock after another. And it just sort of uh, took me to my knees unexpectedly. You know, I think that happens to a lot of us in life. And when it does happen, it's a surprise. And I think that's when we face the oh my God, what do I do next moment? That's when my personal growth journey, my self-love journey really, really began was in 2015.
0: So what really kicked it off? Like what made you start loving yourself from those moments?
1: After my father's death, um, which was after my divorce, I just felt really overwhelmed learning the new job. And New Orleans is a really tough market for news anyway. You know, I just I went to HR and asked the company, is there some type of assistance program? You know, can I take a week or two off to grieve my dad's death and all these other things? And and most corporations are great in terms of giving you um, time to grieve a death or, you know, family leave. But I needed more than 10 days. I took the 10 days and then the first day back, I just still mentally was not prepared for all of it. And during that 10-day period of being off to really deal with my, my father's death after the funeral is when it just all came crashing down. And so when I went back to work, you know, I, I went to my boss and I said, look, I'm just not ready. I don't know what is wrong with me. I just can't get it together. I'm super sad all the time. I cry all the time. You know, I don't know if this is normal or not. And so, you know, they sent me to HR. And and the company was fantastic. HR said, yeah, there's actually, there's a hotline you need to call if you're depressed. And I'm thinking, Oh. I'm not depressed, whatever, you know. And uh, I said, well, like, can I get an additional four weeks off? And there's a bunch of policies with that. It's called short-term disability. But in order to be approved, you had to agree to go to therapy. And I'm thinking, I don't need therapy. Just I just need two weeks vacation. Don't pay me. I don't care. I just want time away. And they're like, no, you know, if that happens, you'll have to resign or we'll terminate you. You've got to go through short-term disability and you've got to go to therapy. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I agreed. I did the paperwork and went to my first therapy session and um, I failed the psychological exam. Wow. Yeah. I was suicidal. And and within 45 minutes of failing the exam, I was in my car going to uh, an inpatient facility for treatment for depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts, suicidal tendencies. And I'm like, this is such bullshit. I mean, I'm a news anchor in New Orleans. My performance is great. My numbers are going up. I'm bringing in new viewers every weekend. There's no way I need to be institutionalized for all of this. There's just no way, right? You know, I struck a deal with my therapist. I went over there I sat on the couch waiting to be admitted for two hours. And as I'm watching others be admitted, I just said, this isn't for me. I'm not doing this. So I, I escaped. <laughs> I ran away. <laughs> I got in my car and I turned back home. And about an hour later, my therapist calls and she says, intake says that you left. I said, yes, I did. <laughs> and I said, this is just bullshit. I don't need therapy. I'm, I'm just sad because my dad died. I'm sad because my marriage didn't work out. And she goes, out she's like, you don't understand. You are on the verge of, of really doing something um, to yourself, self-harming yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. And so... We worked out a deal that if I would go stay with friends for a week, that she wouldn't admit me. And if I disappeared and I fell off the earth and I didn't touch in, she was going to call nine one one and all. So it was like such an ordeal. And I was pissed like the first week of therapy because I think like most people, you think you don't need it. You think you're okay. Absolutely. But I tell you, that third session, man, I realized that I was not in a good space mentally. I just wasn't. And so I stuck with it um, actually for six weeks. That's when I realized that I suffered a lot of childhood trauma that I didn't even know I wasn't aware of. And I suffered from attachment disorders. I had no idea what that was. And I was suicidal, um, closer to it than i had actually anticipated. I mean, every time I was on the highway or traveling, I was looking for the bridge. I'm like, do I drive my car off of this bridge? Do I drive my car off of that bridge? Well, no, this bridge would be easier. This one would be less painful. Like I was already planning how I was going to commit suicide. Mm. And what I learned in therapy is that when you are at that point of visualizing it happening and looking for the location and knowing how you want to do it, then you've pretty much fallen off the deep end. It's just a matter of time. Wow. And so I always say my dad's death saved me because had, had he not passed away and I had not had trouble dealing with that, um, he would have, he saved my life. There's no way I would have Asked for help through the corporation. There's no way I would have gone to therapy. And so that six weeks of really intense um, outpatient therapy is when I learned for the first time at 39 years old, what self-love was.
0: Wow. What a journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's really powerful.
1: Yeah. It's crazy stuff, you know, And, and I'm so healthy now. And when I think about that that period in my life, I don't recognize who I was. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. And and that's the message I always tell people and and my clients too, is look, when you've gone to that place of of thinking about killing yourself or reading about it, just when you have an interest, you already need to start talking to someone. Mm -hmm. Don't wait until you have a plan in place. Don't wait until you're visualizing how you're going to do it. It could be too late. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always tell people that, and and really, it's just it's all about self awareness, and I think that's something that we really don't take enough time throughout our day to do a check in, a self check in.
0: Absolutely, it can go such a long way just checking in and seeing what your body needs, what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I have so many thoughts in my head right now. Going from that state of being suicidal, how did you learn to accept yourself after that? Because I feel like acceptance is just a big part of self-love and you have to accept your past and your future, your present, everything before you can truly like love yourself.
1: Yeah, there were two key things in my recovery is what I call it. One, I learned that it takes a lot of patience during the self-development journey and in life in general. And with patience, beautiful things happened. I learned not to rush life, not to rush my goals, my objectives. I also learned that there's no such thing as perfect. Mm -hmm. And we all suffer from perfectionism. And the most beautiful thing my business coach taught me was Farah. 70% is good enough. 70% should be your definition of perfect. And it's so weird because, you know, in college, I was a Miss Louisiana contestant. I competed for six years to pay for school. Um, I was winning scholarship. And I remember the last year I competed, the year that I could have been Miss Louisiana, I wore a two-piece swimsuit with a skirt on it because I'd had stretch marks on my thighs. And I just... Was terrified that the judges would see the stretch marks on my thighs and give me a low score, and I wouldn't win Miss Louisiana. So I covered it up with a skirt, and comes to find out it's the skirt is pretty much why I didn't win the crown by like a tenth of a point. Wow. And the sad thing is that you couldn't even really see the stretch marks. I mean, I was physically fit, I was in the best shape ever. And so what? I had a few little different colored marks on my thighs. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize that until later on in life. And I'm just like, why do women especially put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect when it doesn't even exist? I've had to learn to just accept who I am. One, because I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian and that's how God made me. Um, and I've accepted that because I'm very spiritual. But also being patient with who I am and knowing I'm a human being and perfectionism just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And as a news anchor, I mean, there's a lot of pressure to always look beautiful. Your hair has to be perfect, your makeup, your clothes, you have to be thin. And it just became so exhausting to try to look perfect every night on TV. And doing that as well was not good for my mental health. And so, you know, I just, I learned so much since 2015 that I wish I knew in my teens and in my twenties. And and we all say that it's cliche, but it's so true. And What I want to tell people is that you have to love yourself, no matter if you're large or small, big or thin, if you have a disability, no matter what, you are uniquely made for a reason. And it is our uniqueness is what makes us
0: lovable. Yes. And the key is like seeing that for yourself. I think about my friends and my family and the unique things that make them up, that makes me love them so much. And I feel like that really is key of loving those silly parts about you that maybe you were once embarrassed about, but now you've grown to be like, no, this is what makes me me. And I love this about myself.
1: Yeah, I always tell people, imagine how boring life would be if we all looked the same, sounded the same, act the same, like the same things, right? I mean, it would be such a boring life. You know, uh, the differences in everyone is what brings color to the world. It's what brings color in my life. I mean, my friends come from all walks of life. And I love that because they always add something very special to me and my life. And they're all very different and they're all different colors and shapes and sizes and they have different likes and dislikes. And I love every bit of that because they make me a better person by learning to be patient, by learning to like different things, by learning to become more educated about different types of people. And when you do that is when you can love more. But you can't do that, though, unless you're with people who have the confidence in themselves to love and appreciate who they are.
0: Absolutely. And I really feel like that confidence comes from acceptance and accepting who they are.
1: 100%. And it's it's so beautiful to... I love to people watch, especially in airports. And it's so beautiful to see a confident woman walking past because it's a different wardrobe when you wear your confidence. Mm-hmm. And you can do it in your sweatpants and still be beautiful. Um, it's like an invisible shield that has a strong magnet to it. And no matter what type of person you are, big or small, if you just wear that confidence, you are going to attract the right people. You are going to feel positive attraction to you. I come from a difficult background as well. I mean, I lost both my parents at two years old. My grandmother raised me in a single parent environment. And, you know, it took me a while to accept that I was different from the other kids. You know, my third grade teacher wrote on my report card Fera is a sensitive kid. And I thought, well, fuck yeah, I'm a sensitive kid. I don't have parents. I lost both my parents at two years old. And my grandmother's doing the best she can in a single parent environment. And so, you know, as I became a career person and people would say, gosh, Gary, you're just so sensitive. I used to hate that. I used to feel really bad about it and try not Mm -hmm. to be sensitive. And then I was like an asshole manager. And I'm like, no, I like the sensitive part of me because it makes me more approachable. It makes me kind, caring, I'm able to nurture those who have family issues as well. And so I had to accept the fact that I am a sensitive personality, but that's my
0: superhero power. And I now love it. I love that. My uh, next question for you is how does one learn to accept oneself? But what you just said gave me an idea of like, you figure out what your superpower is, right? Yes.
1: Absolutely. And it's real. I mean, everybody's superpower is real. You know, I think for me, the important of, of trying to start a journey of self-acceptance is um you have to audit your life. You know, if you're going every day and you're exhausted and you're unhappy and you feel depressed or overwhelmed or you have a lot of anxiety, or maybe you're mad at yourself because you've been wanting to lose the five pounds and you just can't seem to get it off, whatever the case is. Maybe you're wanting a new job and you're mad at yourself every night because you're unhappy. You got to go back the next morning. You have to take time to audit your life, whether it's the commute to work, whether it's in the shower, whether you set aside 10 minutes on the weekends by yourself. If you don't learn to audit your life and really check in and realize how you're truly feeling and what could be causing those unhealthy negative thoughts, then you're going to stay in a miserable state of mind. And for me, the audit in 2015, six weeks after therapy was, I do not want to be a news anchor anymore.
0: Mm.
1: I left my dream job because I realized that while I had a lot of other issues to deal with, that dream job was no longer my dream anymore. It was a dream I had 10 years ago And it came 10 years too late. And so the audit was, I have to leave New Orleans. I'm just not happy in my career. I've lost family members. I've lost my husband. I've lost my livelihood. I'm about to lose my career, my dream job. And it was a hard pill to swallow. I literally had to move to another city and start from scratch all over again. Literally live off of savings for six months. But without that audit, I would have never healed mentally. I would have never, ever healed.
0: Do you think that you would have been able to accept yourself if you didn't follow what your heart was telling you to do?
1: Absolutely not. I mean, I would have probably already committed suicide by then. Um, If not, I would have been deeply depressed. I would have been destructive. I've had destructive patterns before in my life. I would have gone back to a destructive life. Talk about hitting rock bottom. It would have been a more severe rock bottom had I not done the work and not accepted that, hey... It's okay that this isn't your dream job anymore. It's okay if people think you're crazy for leaving because they did. It's okay if you feel like an embarrassment, which nobody thought that. It was just me thinking I would mm-hmm. be an embarrassment if I left. It's okay if you you know feel like a quitter. It's okay. And, and when I accepted that the negative thoughts were going to pop in my head because I'm human, then I was able to stop the negative thoughts and say, no, I'm not a quitter. I actually have the courage to do an audit and realize this isn't a passion of mine anymore. I'm going to go find my new passion. I took the time to do an audit to realize, yeah, you know what? I was on the verge of committing suicide and I'm healed and happy. And now I'm going to teach others how to get help. Right? So you have to accept, and this is something I've learned even as a coach and my journey is you have to accept your past You have to accept where you come from. You have to accept who you've been, who you are, and where you're going. Because if you don't reflect and accept everything that's happened to you, especially the bad, the negative, and the ugly, if you don't accept it, then you can't reflect and learn from it and be a better person or fix a version of you that you want to be fixed. And so the audit for me was so crucial for self-acceptance. And then after that came self-love.
0: So basically, like what I'm hearing is you can't read the book, download the app, listen to that episode on the podcast. Like you've got to sit in a room by yourself, turn within, whether that's meditation, journaling, whatever it is, talking out loud. Like you've got to do that work in order to truly accept yourself.
1: Yeah, you know, I read the headlines um, this week about Chelsea Chris, a former Miss USA suicide. She jumped from her building in New York City. I read about that too. Yeah. And um, being in the pageant world, I'm very familiar with who she is. But if you read her posts, it's a lot of self-help, self-work posts. Wow. But I think the reason, unfortunately, it didn't quite resonate with her is because she never took the time to do the audit. You know, Mm. she was thrust in this pageant world of being perfect. She won, which is extraordinary. Then she's thrust into LA and New York, you know, where it's all about your appearance and being this perfect figure in life. And I just don't think that she had the right tools for somebody to say, hey, pump the brakes, take a day off and let's do an audit. Are you really happy with where this trajectory is taking you? And I think because of that, while she was trying very hard to do all these self-care techniques, they weren't working because she really didn't do a deep dive internally and ask herself, what is really bothering me right now?
0: You know, it's one thing to preach self-care, self-love, and then it's another thing to turn around and actually go and live it. And that's something that as a self-love coach, I struggle with because, you know, here I am telling my clients, telling my community all these ways to love yourself. And if I am not in a line with my message, I feel really out of funk. It's easy to preach to the choir. It's easy to share these tips. But, you know, if you're not doing it yourself and doing the audit, you're not really helping yourself.
1: I think it's important for a lot of folks to understand is that those of us who are life coaches, personal development coaches, those of us who work in the industry of helping others improve their lives we're humans too. And we do have an off season as well. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we're, we're not perfect. Um, and we accept the fact that, yeah, we may be moving along with, with a great career, with a great clinic, with great clients, but life is life and nothing is ever guaranteed and, and life's about seasons. You know, we still have our off seasons as well. And I think that makes us more relatable. And so what I wish more people would do is, is talk about how they're feeling and talk about what they're thinking Talk about what's really going on in their lives. And and what I've learned is, is just talking to someone about what's really going on inside of you can make a huge transformation in the right step forward. That's when you realize that, gosh, I don't love myself enough to break up with this guy who is physically and emotionally and mentally abusing me. What I've also learned is that sometimes you know, we talk about journaling. Sometimes you have to write it on paper before your mind and your body really understands there's a problem. Sometimes you have to just talk to someone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to always be a therapist, but talk to someone about the things that are really bothering you. So you can hear a different perspective and just hear yourself talk about how unhappy you are. And that's when you're going to make that change you need. So you can accept yourself and you can accept the life that you want to build.
0: Why is self-acceptance essential to self-love?
1: It's all about self-discovery. I think life is about self-discovery. And I don't think we make that a priority. We're so busy trying to create the perfect life in our mind, that fantasy. We're so busy focused on taking care of everyone else first and ourselves second. That I don't think we as a society, especially as women... Don't pump the brakes fast enough to have a self discovery journey. And that is discovering what do I like in men or women? What do I want in a partner? Do I like high heels or Birkenstock sandals? Do I like short hair or long hair? You know, after my divorce, probably two weeks after I moved to New Orleans, I had a complete breakdown in Walmart, literally, like snot bubbles and all. Because I was cooking for myself for the first time as a single person in an apartment, and I wanted to make tacos. And I had no idea what taco shell I wanted. (laughs) I know, right? Because for 16 years when I was with my ex, I bought what I thought he liked and wanted. Mm. I never tried what I thought I wanted. And so I'm sobbing and this little old lady says, oh my God, are you okay? Do you need security? And I'm like, I don't know what kind of tacos I want. She's like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. She goes, (laughs) honey, just buy one of all of them. And I did. I bought $60 worth of taco shells that night. (laughs) And I learned that I like the crunchy, old fashioned corn tortilla taco shell, okay? And so after my divorce, especially, and- leaving my dream job, I had to go on a self-discovery journey, which took two years. And my friends and I would go to the restaurant and they would say, what do you want to eat? And I'd say, I don't know. They're like, come on, you never know. I'm just like, guys, I was married to the same person for 16 years. I was in that routine. I am now on a self-discovery journey. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to make a commitment. I'm going to force myself to learn to be alone and like it. I'm going to force myself to stay single enough to do a self-discovery journey so I get the next relationship right, okay? And if I don't fucking know if I want a taco or a hamburger, then I will order last, okay? Just get off my case, (laughs) right? And they're like, oh my God, okay, 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 right? And then they became supportive as they saw my confidence grow through learning what I want it for me, right? And so I tell my clients, this isn't rocket science. And the work of improving yourselves and improving your lives is so simple. Discover what makes you tick. Discover what you want for yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you accept it because you're so confident and you're so passionate about what you discovered in this discovery journey that Mm -hmm. you accept it and no one is going to tell you otherwise, because now when I go to a restaurant, all my girlfriends get gluten-free, soft tacos. I don't. I get the fattening crunchy, right? And so <laughs> I'm like, I accept it. And I love that about myself, okay? And so the the work is easy. The changes in your life to be a better person can be so simple if you learn the tools and you just take these little moments throughout the day to practice the changes mm-hmm. because At the end of the day, this self-discovery, self-acceptance, which turns into self-love journey is about rewiring your brain. And it just takes time and patience. But you have to want it. You have to want to feel good Mm -hmm. long enough to make the change to have self-love.
0: Absolutely. My journey started when I got sick of being sick of myself. There was a definite transition that I went from Being sick of the way I was living. And right after that came a self discovery journey. And what stood out to me of what you just said is that it's these little moments. It's little things like tacos. Like it's not this big old life changing thing. Like it's the little moments that add up. And like you said, once you know, you know, like you are certain, like this is what I like, this is how it is. And therefore you're accepting it. And you're able to love yourself through that acceptance.
1: So what was your biggest discovery, do you think, when when you were figuring out how to change your life to what you wanted to be?
0: I realized I was dependent on a lot of other people to make decisions for me. And so when it came down to what I wanted to do for the weekend, and it was just me by myself and not like hanging out with a friend and doing whatever they want to do, I think it was really big to actually do the things I wanted to do, like whether that was go shopping, go on a hike, sew, do some crocheting at home. Like I love doing things with my hands. And that's something that I learned through, you know, self-discovery. And something that helped me with this self-discovery was tapping into my inner child and thinking about the things that I used to do when I was younger, like going bike riding, like when I bike right now brings out my inner child and I used to crochet when I was younger so I started doing those things again and I was like oh yeah like I love this stuff this is what I like doing on the weekends so I think it was a lot of figuring out what I wanted to do because I was very reliant on what other people wanted to do and I think that stemmed from me being a people pleaser and wanting to please those around me by just doing what they wanted to do that I lost myself through that
1: You know, the first thing I did during the pandemic was buy a pair of roller skates because I used to be a really good skater when I was a kid. And so as I'm skating throughout the neighborhood, I think the one thing I realized is even though we're all adults, no matter what our age is and we're adults, you always have to think about, check in and nurture your inner child. Because also what I learned is at the end of the day is when things do get rough for us in life, we always let our inner child act and respond, which can always make a situation worse. And so I have also learned that the inner child is, is real. It's alive. It's well. It's important. And you have to check in. And I love that you brought this up because for me as well, in my alone time, when I check in with my inner child and think, what did she used to love to do? Color. I went and bought adult coloring books, right?
0: You know,
1: I could sit here all afternoon and just do adult coloring books because it's therapeutic and I love mixing colors and I love design and swirls and circles and stuff like that, right? And so I always encourage people to, to listen to that inner child and check in because we all have some form of childhood trauma. Let's face it. Our yeah. parents, our parents did the best they can. They're doing the best they can. But there's always some type of residual effect that impacts us negatively. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in mine is anxious attachment disorder. And so, man, I've had some terrible relationships because of that. I would clench onto a guy so hard for too long and he could treat me like shit and cheat on me and all that crap. I didn't care because I didn't want to be abandoned. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when I learned that that is a huge problem for me, um, I've been single for four years, happily single for four years. And, and I know now when I do start dating that I will not have destructive patterns. It's going to be for real. And it's going to be a guy who likes crunchy tacos. And if he doesn't, He's better be okay if I like crunchy tacos. He's going to order
0: you the (laughs) crunchy tacos. (laughs) I'm not
1: going to say, I don't care. Let's get what you want. I'll be like, I'm getting crunchy tacos. You can go get an enchilada. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) You know? So yeah, the self-discovery journey, but it has to be, it has to always happen. It it doesn't just happen at 40. It doesn't just happen at 20. You have to check in with that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why relationships fail as you outgrow your partner. That's real. It happens. And so when when you check in and you realize that you're ready to do some more self-discovery, talk to your partner about it, you know, so you can
0: work it out together. What was your first memory of an act of self-love? Like the action you took?
1: The first action I took was leaving my dream job, packing up a U-Haul, following my best friend to a city that I didn't know anything about. And not worrying about trying to find a job, living off of savings for three months. And I was so proud of myself because I didn't ask for permission to do all of this. I didn't seek validation that I was making the right decision. Uh, I didn't have to call anybody for money. I fortunately had enough in savings that I could stay home for a month, a couple of months and just really do some self-work. I went to a city I didn't know any, anything about, so I didn't overthink the planning process or worry, oh my God, am I going to like the city? Am I going to find a job? I just did it. I just did it on my own, just out of the blue. And I was so proud of myself. And that's when I learned to just trust myself. Mm. When a thought comes to mind or that little gut feeling starts talking to me, listen to it and just trust yourself and do it. And talk about self-acceptance, girl. Yeah.
0: Wow. That
1: is some serious self-acceptance. I left Louisiana, my home state. I've been there my whole life for 46 years. And I just up and moved to Georgia just uh, on the whim, right? Like 10 days ago. (laughs) Yeah. And I've never been so happy in my life. So happy.
0: Oh, I'm so happy for you.
1: You know, sometimes it's just saying, fuck it. I'm gonna do what's on my mind right now. I'm yeah. gonna do what I want to do without permission and just go for it. And that was the biggest self love, self acceptance moment that I had.
0: And girl, mm. I've been,
1: it's been going up ever since. I'm so happy. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. I love that
0: for you. Thank you. <laughs> what is your current favorite self love practice?
1: Napping. Oh, I, I love to nap. And it's weird when I was with my husband for 16 years, I, I love to nap and relax and rest on the weekends. And I got to the point to where I would feel guilty taking a nap. I would just feel guilty doing it because, you know, during the work week, I work really hard. I do things that I'm passionate about. And usually, you know, I may work 60 hours a week. I mean, maybe like 12, 14 hour shifts. But wow. I choose to do it because I'm doing what I'm passionate about, all right? It is a labor of love for me. I don't do it because somebody else tells me. And so on the weekends, I really... Some weekends, I just really want to sleep and relax, right? But I remember towards the end of my marriage that I started to feel guilty for wanting to take a nap for some reason. I don't know why. I had to wear myself out and be so exhausted just trying to fight the nap, not doing it so I could spend time with him or do house chores or whatever. And so, girl, I mean, the first moment that I I got to this new city and got settled... I made napping a priority, which was amazing. I mean, totally rejuvenated me. And so now on the weekends, if I want to take four naps, I do it and I don't apologize for it. So (laughs) yeah, it's just
0: the little things, right? Yeah, it is the little things. I love asking everyone that because everyone has something different to bring. And it's just, it's fun to hear. And I also hope that it inspires other people to use napping as a form of self-love. Well, Farah, we are at the close of this episode. Thank you so much for joining us and being so vulnerable with sharing your story. I feel like a lot of people are going to really resonate with that and take it to heart. So thank you very much for sharing everything and joining us.
1: Yes, thanks for having me. And I want people to just really focus on themselves for a change and not feel guilty doing it. Because if you don't, that's when trouble happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So where can people find you? Yes. Well, of course I'm on social
1: media. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at com. Um, I also have a podcast. Um, it's called Live Worthy Life Lessons. And what I do is I literally teach life lessons, right? Whether it's self-esteem, how to say no, how to set boundaries, all the fun stuff. It's on all of the um, podcasting platforms. People can check it out and learn some more. And thanks for having me on the show. I mean, I love what you do. I am an advocate of the type of work that you do. And I think it takes people like you and me to be vocal, to remind people, especially women, that self-love is important. Mm Self-care is important. Self-help. Don't be afraid because if you can't love yourself, you truly can't love anybody else. Yeah, it's
0: a different level of love. It is, but it's worth it. It's worth the investment. And one last question. How can people work with you?
1: Yeah, so they can go to my website at Um, Again, or you can just DM me on any of my social media sites and I will definitely do a follow-up call with you and uh, we'll get you loving yourself.
0: Yeah. Love it. I will make sure to link all of those places that Farah mentioned below in the show notes so it's easy for you to access. And thanks again for joining us, Farah. This was a great episode. Yes, thanks
1: everybody. And I hope they all go out and live worthy.
0: If you're experiencing any sort of suicidal thoughts, please talk to someone about it. If you don't have someone to talk to, you can call the Suicide Lifeline Prevention at 1-800-273-8255. If you don't want to call, you can also text. You can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Both of these resources will provide confidential support, which is available 24/7 to everyone in the United States. I've also provided a few more resources in the show notes below, just in case you need it. Thank you so much for listening, Self Lovers. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know by leaving a review and subscribing to this podcast. And if you really loved it, please share this episode with a friend. This episode wouldn't have been possible without our production partner, Pinto Media. Making this podcast has been so easy with their help. If you're thinking of starting a podcast on your own, check out their page on Instagram at produced underscore by underscore Pinto, P-I-N-T-O. If you're ready to level up your self-love game outside of this podcast, you can book a free clarity call with me to see if we would be a good fit for one another. I help my clients achieve their goals fueled by self-love. You can head to my website, haleycurtis.com or check out the show notes below. If you have any suggestions or feedback for me about future episodes, please email me at hello at hayleycurtis.com or DM me on Instagram at I am Curtis. I really want to make sure that these episodes best serve you. That is it for today, self-lovers. I will meet you again on our next episode.